Welcome to the Just a GP podcast. My name is Ashley Broomfield and I'm joined by RACGP President Harry Nespelon and my co-host Charlotte Hesby. Today we're going to be grilling Harry on how to deal with the media in times of crisis. But before we get started on that, Harry, can you give us a highlight of your week? My highlight of the week was there were two events. So I did a question and answer for News Corp and one of the questions was, is there any light at the end of the tunnel? And each morning I look at the COVID number of people who are sick and have got the illness. And it's good to see that the number of cases actually falling in Australia at the moment. So perhaps there is light at the end of the tunnel. I think everybody can agree. So we probably should note that today is the 3rd of April, 2020. That's the day of hope. I think we can all appreciate that highlight for the entire population. Charlotte, what's yours? It was a slightly stressed highlight, but I'd been organising a meeting for yesterday with all of the GP leaders from across New South Wales and ACT, and it had been sort of organised in a sort of a two-day interval, and despite that, we still had 48 attendees, and I was just really blown away by the fact that we could manage to get 48 people from across the state and territory representing leadership of general practice. And that's how much COVID-19 and the need to actually rally for GPs meant to people. The cool thing about that was the breakout sessions. I didn't realise that the platform that we were using, you can just randomly allocate people into group and set a timer and then come back to the group so you could work in small groups on the platform. That was that was pretty cool. But my highlight is going to be going to the fuel station this week. Uh, in order to adjust to the pandemic, my local fuel station is now doing a full fill-up service. So you drive in and then they ask you to open up your own tank and take the cap off and then you step away from the car and then they touch the Bowser handle and then they fill up the car for you without touching any of your car and then then they put the Bowser back in into the actual handle and then you close the fuel cap so neither of you are touching the same services and then they perform their hand hygiene after touching the equipment and then when you go into to pay then it's all pay wave and they've got their meter and a half distance so I just thought that was a really cool way of how a local business has adapted to the changes required and it felt really nice having my fuel filled up for me (laughs) takes me back to being a little girl when I used to sit in the car and the man used to always fill up the fuel tank for you I know we're going backwards in a good way I think that way yes I have the same experience as Charlotte it's been a long time since I've had my uh, car filled up here in Australia well you'll have to come up to Wilgorgo to have the experience I'll do that how many tanks of fuel will I need to do that though (laughs) (laughs) and um, maybe all of these shire boundaries because you know there's talk about closing shire boundaries to stop Sydney people like you and me contaminating clean shires. Yeah, I was going to say it's probably non-essential travel, Harry, and and maybe it's something that they might institute once the pandemic's over and then you can experience it across the board. Yeah, but wouldn't there be a catch-22, though, that once the pandemic's over, the filling up is going to stop? We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) My hope. My hope is maintained. (laughs) It's a a bit like telehealth, Harry. Is it going to stop or isn't it? Because the demand from the patients might be such, same as the demand from the customers might be, actually, we like this. Absolutely. Well, I hope that does happen. 
So moving on to our topic for today, give us an idea how many media requests are you dealing with in a day at the moment? I'd easily do five a day and that includes TV, radio, Skype, you name it. Monday I'm going to be immunising Koshi and Ali on television. So everything that you can possibly think of is coming up at the moment. Yeah, it's a bit like that, isn't it? And GPs actually are very popular on in the media at the moment, Harry. That's correct. Um, with a 24-hour news cycle, everyone's trying to get a different angle on the coronavirus. So it's on for one and all at the moment. And we, we know that you can't deal with all of the media requests from the college. That would be uh, more than a full-time job. And I know that people within the RACGP who've had media training have been responding to requests as well. But it's it's not always as smooth as it sounds and there can be relatively large unintended consequences of dealing with the media, even when you have had media training. So we'd like to talk with you about your top tips. So I guess the thing that made me think about this as a topic was poor old Dr Higgins who was thrown into the media although he does have a famous daughter I'm not sure how much media he did and I guess it's up to everyone to think about how he dealt with it and whether or not he dealt with it properly and I think he did deal with it very well because the first question that you should ask yourself is should I do it just because you get a request to do some media it might all sound very exciting but don't feel that you have to do it because you really think about what's what are the outcomes that can possibly get out of it if Dr Higgins went on to the media, for example, as it broke, it's pretty unlikely he was going to change anyone's minds. And a lot of the information about it hadn't existed yet. So I think he made the right decision there. So the next tip would be, what is your goal? Why are you doing this media? So it sort of relates to the first question. And the goal is, you know, do you want to tell a story? Do you want to influence someone? What's your goal? So think about that. Is it part of a strategy? So if you're being asked to do it by the college, for example, is it part of the media college? And often if that's the case, you'll often get some advice and some talking points about exactly what's being said. If you do get some talking points or you are going to go on, I can't emphasise enough, you really need to prepare. So be clear about what your message is. And it doesn't have to be three, which is what you're often taught. One is more than enough. The other problem that I think you see with doctors is that they want to tell a story. You want to tell a beginning, middle and an end. Let me give you a hint. Most journalists aren't interested in your story. What you really need to do is have a line because even if you gave a five-minute interview, if you can get one line out of that, if you're not doing a live story, then you've done better than a lot of people. So you need to make it interesting and it doesn't have to be perfect. So depending on how senior the journalist is, they might not have any idea about what your story is about, nor will they have any desire to understand what it is. If you're in a rural area or an area where there's just one journalist, they might have five stories to do that day. And one of those stories happens to be you and your coronavirus story. And on either side, there might be a cat rescue story and a dog rescue story, which I hate to tell you will probably get more ratings than you will. And so, they just want to get it done and move on. So the shorter you are, the happier they'll be, the better prepared you are. And if you've got a single line, it might even get on. So who is your audience? So it's not necessarily Channel 9 if Channel 9 are interviewing you. Sometimes you actually want to speak to the minister directly, so to speak. And so think about who your audience really is. 
that will also change your message. You know, people in general don't want to know details. If you've got lots of sort of medical words, just not going to go anywhere. So make sure you speak as if you would be talking to a patient rather than if you're talking to another doctor. But also suggest that you dress appropriately. So on a weekend, you probably don't need to wear a tie if you're a male, but during the week, you should look like a doctor, whatever that means. Everything you say might end up being reported. So be careful about the parts that you just sort of seem to be backgrounding the, um, the journalist. If you do a lot of media, go and get some media training, but I'd strongly suggest to you that media training is incredibly variable. I've done quite a bit of it. And I must say, I find that some of them are really quite poor. So it's worth spending the extra money and time getting it done correctly. At the end of a lot of the interviews that you'll see professional interviewees like politicians in particular, there's usually the infamous gotcha question, which is a question at the end to sort of trick you as an interviewee. They're very rare in medicine. Usually the journalists are on your side and they'll even send you what they want to send up, especially if it's a written article, which you take the opportunity to read it, but you don't get them all the time. The other issues are you rarely misquoted. Often you don't like what's come out. And so if you don't like what you read, think about it the way that you delivered it. And for all it's worth, I think I've broken most of those strategies at some stage or another. Yes, me too, Harry, I think. <laughs> so maybe we'll move on to some battle stories. Charlotte, can you relate to any of those? Yeah, I mean, I think Harry's probably got better stories because he's able to come out with more of those beautiful one-liners, quite honestly. And I obviously haven't ever been in the same sort of situation. And certainly with the COVID-19, I've been in the media a lot more than I have ever before. Certainly not five per day, Harry. The maximum I've had is three. And that's always hilarious when you're trying to rush from one to the next and because it's always it's Murphy's law they want you all at the same time because it's all about meeting their deadline but it is one of those interesting things as you say it's remembering the key message and making sure that you say it enough times that in a nice slot that they will then pick it up and use that on the tv because they might spend half an hour with you and only one minute goes on to the television. And it can be so irritating because all the things that you might really have wanted them to have said are left behind and it's just those other ones. For me, my gem of being picked up was I was interviewed by the Sydney Morning Herald. I was about the gap payments and I dropped the line about baristas and how much they get paid per hour versus what we were being paid. And that was, of course, the line they ran with. They really liked that. And I think it resonated with the sort of the Sydney Morning Herald audience about going to baristas and how much we value them and therefore how much they might get paid plus the cost of a coffee. Yes. The other thing that also happens is you'll go into a studio and you'll literally get asked two questions and it takes you, you know, about half an hour each way, depending on where you are, to get to the studio and then it's literally two questions. So don't get too upset about it. It's just the way that it is. I did one beauty with ABC and they prepared me, told me what all the questions were. It was health matters for the ABC. And then I'm in there and the journalist drops a question that's from the audience, which has got nothing to do with what we were actually talking about and was just inordinately inflammatory at general practice. So it completely took 
the interview on a sideways tangent. I mean, fortunately, I was able to get in there and just go no and, you know, say why everything that was being put out there in the question was wrong. But it really irritated me because all the preparation I'd put into for what we were supposed to be talking about was wasted. And, you know, this sort of opportunity of 30 minutes of interview just went into this sort of down the gurgle of the drain. But that's the disadvantage of the live versus the being pre-recorded. So on the live, you do have an opportunity to say a lot more. Yeah, I think what the, the point about Harry saying be really careful in what you're saying, but also be really careful that, you know, the gotcha questions, because they're probably the ones that you're not going to be very happy with. For example, I was doing an article with a local journalist about our clinic and how we were creating a safer place for patients with traffic lighting, how we were triaging patients coming in and providing telehealth services. And she wanted a clinic photo of me at the clinic. And I told her that, no, I'm, I can't actually do that because I'm at home waiting a swab result. And she thought it'd be a good idea to put in there and convince me that it would be a good idea. And it definitely was not a good idea to go into the news article because we had a whole bunch of concerned patients and, you know, people in my local community worried about coronavirus hitting us. And so it was not very fun at all. And, you know, I think that when, when you kind of give that thing away that you're feeling uncomfortable inside yourself about it, you know, that's not the time to actually talk about it. That would be my learning is if you don't feel comfortable talking about it and you weren't planning to talk about it, don't let them get it out of you, but also be wary about when you hit that trigger point. You know, I think all of us, Charlotte, would be, you know, hit our little boiling bubble when someone, you know, denigrates general practice in some way. And that's the time when you might say something inadvertently that you didn't want to say. Well, the journalists always want reaction. So you've got to be careful about reacting um, the other part is that you don't actually have to answer the question. Um, John Howard was very famous at never answering the question from the journalist. He would answer what he wanted to say. And it's a good skill to learn, especially deflecting a question so that you you don't answer it if you don't want to answer it. And that's a skill that you do need to deliver. I certainly don't think I'm quite there yet, and I've been doing a bit of this. So, yeah, you don't have to answer the question. A lot of journalists work quite good if you say, look, you know, this is not to be published. They won't publish it. But once again, it depends a lot on how well you know the journalist and whether or not you're going to be developing a relationship with them over a period of time. Yeah, and I think you need to be mindful in both of those circumstances. Like if you're quite familiar with somebody, then you're more likely to be more comfortable saying things that you wouldn't if you didn't know them, but then vice versa that... You, you, there's not that trust and rapport developed. I think that goes to another rule that I'd put in is that you set your boundaries and your rules with them. So even if you don't know them, it's actually establishing. So for instance, a written article that you have a right to review it before it gets published to make sure that what you've said has been reflected accurately. I was interviewed for an article today and the journalist is sending it to me tonight to be able to sign off on it before it gets published. You know, as long as they've got that turnaround and if you're respectful to them, they'll be respectful to you. But yes, as Harry said, you have to be careful not to do that reactive shot. I certainly have learnt that Actually, I think the thing that I learned most about being able to think about what I say first is when I had to go to court. I did a lot of child protection work and I needed to unfortunately go to court and be grilled by these really horrible barristers who were just there, obviously, with a goal of defending the person who was had the charges against them. And it was an extraordinarily awful experience for me because you were treated, even though you were the doctor, as this sort of 
public enemy number, whatever. But I really learned it was okay to sit there, consider what it was they were asking you and take some time to actually answer it the way you wanted to or needed to and not in any way that was contaminated by the way in which they'd framed the question. So taking your time to answer the questions and then doing the duck and wave. Yeah. yeah often when you're live, though, you don't get that time. That's the problem. They don't like air time, especially if you're doing live to air. So doing pre-records, I often find that you do a whole lot more goes at it because you know that you can. But when you're live, you just got to do it. And sometimes it actually comes out a lot smoother than when you're allowed to um, go back and start again. I agree, but I think that's where the rehearsing happens, doesn't it, Harry? Doing those pre-record ones, I'm not afraid of the live ones anymore, but also using those little techniques of, of thinking about it, like that's a really good question. And while you're saying that, you then go into what it is you want to say, which is where often the politicians deflect into what they want to say anyway and don't answer the question. You can then make sure you answer it in a way that is what you're wanting to say. And that's why I think if you can think of a line whatever it might be, a line being, you know, literally a short sentence, um, you're much more likely to get it in. It's likely to be much more impactful. And it doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to encapsulate everything. People can try and interpret what you've said. Because I think that's one of the problems that doctors run into is that they want to give all the detail out and it's just never going to get into most stories. So be really clear with the message that you want to deliver. Be really clear on why you're wanting to deliver it, who your audience is and be considered, practice your response and be careful of the gotcha questions. You betcha. Take Harry's tips as your your overall tips and skip you to go to Charlotte for your tip of the episode. Oh, look, I'm just going to go with Harry's. I think that he did some really good gems in terms of media. Also, from my perspective, is using media for promotion of general practice at this point in time. I think covid 19 media of GPs has been a fantastic opportunity to sell what it is that we're offering in general practice and we can just use that to really demonstrate to people who might not understand what it is that we're offering. And my tip of the week or resource of the week is that in the COVID pandemic we are concerned about the increase in domestic violence that could potentially occur. Certainly we saw an increase in China and we're seeing some worrying data coming out of Australia as well and there is in New South Wales they have developed this thing called Safer Pathway. So if you just Google Safer Pathway you'll come up with some links that links to the women.newsouthwales.gov.au programs. It links you to facts and some domestic violence resources as well. That's great. Thank you, Ash. Have a good evening, everybody. You too.